0: Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 189 of Dogcast Radio. In this show, you can hear Julia Robertson talk about her charity War Dogs Remembered and author Mark Winnick talk about his book The Dog Healers. You can find this and all our other episodes at our website www.dogcastradio.com where we have articles, photos, our blog and lots more, so do check it out. For Commonwealth countries, the 11th of November is Remembrance Day and later in the show I'll be talking to Julia Robertson about the charity she founded called War Dogs Remembered and the jobs dogs took on in wartime.
1: They used to do things like carry messages, which of course were critical, Therefore, they had to cross-country incredibly well. They actually pulled communication cables. They went onto an open field, an open battlefield, with a first aid kit so soldiers could self-medicate. That sort of thing they did, and these primarily were pet dogs.
0: But before that, we hear from Mark Winnick about his debut novel, The Dog Healers. My first question was about Mark and dogs. Had they always featured in his life
2: well, that's a great question julie um actually i I really feel blessed and fortunate enough to uh that my family had dogs since I was probably four years old, and uh we constantly my my father would come home like every year or two and he'd bring home another dog mm. so we always had dogs and in, in uh, my life and my family's lives. And I I, I think at a, from a young age, I, I learned that there was a really a special bond between me and, and my dogs. And in such a way where you just got the feeling that they really cared for you.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: Which which is quite special. And and I think it's great not only it was it was a great experience for me, and it just continued throughout my life uh, but I think it's a great experience for for any young kid to have that same experience i think it's imp- it's important
0: yeah yeah definitely see i'm I'm very jealous because I always desperately wanted a dog and and never got one and until I was eighteen, so I only had sort of another i suppose six no, four, four years at home with when, when my family had a dog. And I was always cr- cross because I was like, but I wanted a dog. And they, they waited till I was almost moving out and then got a dog. So it was really important to me for my daughter to have a dog and, and because I'd had that, that yearning for years and not got one. And I think sometimes right. that happens that it's something I've, I've noticed that sometimes people who have had a dog in their childhood don't see it as important for their kids to have a dog Whereas those of us who've, who've yearned, you know, not had that dog sort of think, right, that's it. My child is going to have a dog in their lives. So it's lovely when someone like you who has had that that doggy childhood, you know, keeps the the, the dogs in their life and you know how important they are.
2: Yes, yes, I, I, I... I felt that way, I think, throughout my life. So, and 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 I'm not a youngster anymore.
0: No, so. <laughs> no, me, but never mind.
2: You I know still... what? I, mm. I I love them now as much as I did when when I was a kid. So yes, yeah, yeah. They're, they're great. They're great companions, and uh, there's something very special about dogs and, and, and how we connect with them and how they connect with us. So yeah,
0: definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I, they make you feel special. I mean, my, my Labrador loves people. And the amount of times we've walked away from people, and I've heard the person say, that dog really likes me. And, and he does, <laughs> you know, but it's nothing personal. He likes everybody. But then when you find a dog like that who really makes a fuss of you, it does make you think, you know, oh, I'm having a really good day. This dog really likes me. And it they, they does just make you feel so good. There is some magic about them.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's really quite magical. And what's really magical, I mean, we talk about like instincts and, and we have a saying over here in America called it's, it's second nature. Mm. But I believe for dogs, it's first nature for them to just, even with a stranger, could it be almost any stranger that they, they just care for you naturally and and that's that's what's really uh, unique and special about I think about the dogs as a breed and as an animal compared with 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 other domestic animals it's just truly amazing yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah. they they are out there on their own they are unique okay so we're we're here today really to talk about the dog healers which is your first novel which is you know incredible this with (laughs) this you've had you know you've hit the jackpot with your first novel so tell me about what is the Dog Healers about?
2: Well, the Dog Healers is, is I, I think, first, it's it's unique in the sense that it's it's both nonfiction and fiction, mainly fiction, though. And what it's about, it's it's really an uh, an adventure story that has a spiritual journey connected to it with with the main character Isabella, and she's really an amazing character that who has the ability to heal dogs ailing dogs and also uh, what I did include in the book is to also turn she also can turn race horses into champions
0: yes yeah
2: yeah but really the message in the book which which is is so important i think to to uh dog lovers and also just anybody in general i think could really enjoy this book because it is an adventure with a spiritual journey is that that we have this bond with these animals and and the connection that we have with these animals is just it's it's something that uh you almost can't put into words, even though I tried my best in this novel to put into words. If hmm. you if you if you can understand that,
0: yes, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it it yeah. is difficult to put there. But yes, yes, you 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 did very well. But as you say, there's, there's a there's a magic, so that it's it is it is difficult to uh, to explain. Yes, and you you see in the book, Isabella is sort of she again from from childhood had that affinity with dogs, didn't she?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. From the very beginning, almost the first page of the book, uh, something very almost scary happens with her as a child with, with a drunken uncle. And, uh, the, her puppy at the time and she both come to each other's rescue. Uh, so yes, from a very young age, she, she, she knew that that there was something special about the relationship with, with her, with her dog Echo. So yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And of course that, that blossoms later on. She, she does become, that's her, um, I mean, it's it's it, a, a career, a calling, you know, but that's how she makes a living, isn't it? She is, she is a, a healer. So what inspired you? As you say, it's, it's an adventure story. It is quite difficult to, to categorize, isn't it? Which is, I think that's a good thing. That's a strength. But it's quite difficult to, to categorize what it is because there's so many aspects to it. But what was the inspiration behind the dog healers?
2: Uh, that's a that's a great question. You know, I get that asked often. And I really think because from from my childhood all throughout my life, I've really felt just felt a a great connection with with these animals. But really, what truly inspired me was on a trip to Argentina, to Buenos Aires, uh, with my wife, who, by the way, she is from there and her whole family still lives there. I discovered that there was this incredibly huge dog walking community where dog walkers or dog handlers would walk as many as from three up to like twenty dogs at a time, and they walk through the neighborhoods and it's just it was just I was just captivated by this and while I was there i I was in a park and, and I met I, I no actually I noticed some of the dog handlers massaging their dogs hmm. And I said, well, this is something really quite unique because even though you, well, I might experience this in, uh, in the States, um, the dog handlers are dog walkers, but to actually see the dog handlers spend time massaging the dogs, I said, well, maybe there's something to this. So I was captivated by this, and I, I approached a few people there. And and even though it's, it's, it's a very European-type city, uh, for South America, I not many, and the people are very well educated there. And and uh, but what I learned was that still as educated as they were, because it's so far away from from where I live, that they don't necessarily speak English that well. So, mm. but what I did find was that a um, one of the dog handlers said, "Oh, I have to meet." Uh, this this man, his name is Carlos DeMarco, and he is he is uh, also known as the Dog Healer. And I was fascinated by that, and I said, "Well, where can I find him?" and And she says, "Well, you know, she tried to point in a direction, and she told me to go to this park, and he's he he would be somewhere by uh, the food vendors over there, under under some beautiful uh, trees, and and um, and uh i searched for him the next day i got up and i searched for him and i walked all around because i would, well, for some reason i had a passion i was determined to meet this guy it's it's not your typical experience for for uh, a, a tourist oh. uh, but but this is something that i i was curious about so i finally came upon him and i saw i didn't know it was him at the time but i saw this very young uh, handsome young man. He was in his early 20s, and uh, I saw him kneading the dog's muscles and going up and down, massaging his back, and then he would scratch the dog at the same time with his fingernails, and he'd go into the muscles and different parts of, of the dog's body, which I believe are pressure points, and um, the dog seemed to really enjoy the experience. It's like they were in heaven, dog heaven. So, uh, so I approached him, and he actually spoke English quite well. And, and uh, I told him how fascinated I was and captivated I was with, with his massage skills and techniques. And uh, we ended up spending a few days walking through the neighborhoods and spending times in, in the beautiful parks in Buenos Aires, um, where I learned about Kumni, which, or Kumnai, which, which he called it. And, uh, this was a, an ancient Tibetan healing techniques that, that the Tibetans used in the Himalayas with, with their animals that guarded the, the royal kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was completely fascinating. So, I mean, that's really, Truly, at that point, that's what inspired me. I said, "This is really just an incredible story." And then we discussed his life. Uh, his, he was really family oriented, and, and uh, we we talked about his dreams and, and how much he enjoyed this, and 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 really, what he kept emphasizing is is. I'm not really the healer. The dogs are the true dog healers.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I was just blown away by this. And I, I'm i a pretty pretty creative guy throughout, throughout my life. So I said, well, you know what? I think I'm going to start writing. Actually, there's a number of writers in my immediate family and extended family. So I said, well, if my family... Are, can write stories, so can I. I mean, I always considered myself more of a storyteller than a writer, but so I started writing and uh, that's what inspired me, this this whole experience. And, and, it, and it, in a way it was almost life-changing for me to, to learn about Carlos and his philosophies, about dogs and the relationship we have with these animals and just how important they are to us and a lot of people just don't appreciate it as much as they should, and, and it's sometimes taken for granted. So,
0: yeah, yeah. it's um, you, you describe the the um, kum or cum um, that process, that healing process, um, several times. And it's it's again, it's, it's very good, very effective description of it, and sort of this process going on, this this sort of flowing between Isabella and the dogs. And I think that taps into something that certainly every dog owner will sort of identify with because we do want to connect with our dogs and we want them to live as happily and healthily as we can And i mean i've interviewed people like tellington touch administrators kind of thing um, and and reiki practitioners and things like that yeah and and it th- there is a popularity isn't there that we want things like that that are natural that will connect us with our dogs and and help them live happily and healthily don't we
2: absolutely i mean i think really there's something about about the energy that, that is give and take when, when you, you incorporate, uh, kumnai or actually what people are calling it here and now is scrissaging the dog. And, uh, there's, there's nothing like good energy that is reciprocal between a dog and a human. Um, it's, it's just special and, and it's, Actually magical and it, and it's healing for humans. I mean, we need good energy in our lives. We don't get that through the media anymore. So. No,
0: no, <laughs> definitely so, not. <laughs> so,
2: so, you know, I mean, if I turned off, uh, the television for two months, what would I miss? You know? I know. <laughs> what would we, what would we miss? So, so I, I I'd much prefer to, to, Dedicate my energy to creative projects, my family, and having this magical type experience with my animals. And, and it always seems to be rewarding.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, what amazes me about, I mean, you, you're absolutely right. I mean, dogs are amazing for us. And what really amazes me is that even if you don't, if you don't identify as someone who likes dogs, you know, if you, you say, Oh, I don't, I'm not really into dogs. Even so, sitting beside a dog will sort of give you all those benefits, you know, that you you lower your blood pressure, it boosts your immune system. Even though you haven't you're not you wouldn't typically seek that out, there is something about being close to that dog that will give you all those benefits, and that to me is mind-blowing because I understand how you and I who love dogs, we're having a really positive experience sitting by a dog, petting it, I understand how that can benefit us. But even if you 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 sort of you're not a dog lover, being by a dog can still be good for you. And that to me is amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really what I try and touch on in, in, in the book is, is how therapeutic dogs can be. And I mean, I, I, I believe, look in the past 10 years in, 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 at least in America, the there's been a trend with, with dog lovers to really volunteer and get involved with rescuing dogs and finding homes for them, which which I believe is really wonderful. Yes, um,
1: yeah.
2: And people that never had dogs get to experience that. And I believe that the next trend uh, that I touch on in, in, in the book, and it's been around, but I think the next trend, which is going to be important to to our culture is is how dogs serve uh, humans in such a way where the, the therapy that they can provide to us in, in so many different areas that yes. range anywhere from just sheer companionship for, mm-hmm. uh, for the elderly. I mean, there are people volunteering and bringing their dogs into, uh, you know, homes for the elderly. There are people volunteering with their dogs and they go into hospital environments where they're working with in pediatric departments with with kids that may suffer from a very extreme ailment. And I'll tell you, there is no greater joy for a kid that is, or anybody for that matter, that is, is, at a hospital or in an environment like that and and uh, they're stressed out. They don't, you know, doctors speak a different language, so yes. we don't necessarily yeah. understand what they're saying half the time. And, you know, you're stressed out by all the tests and, and this and that. And and you just, people just need a little joy in their lives. Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing like an animal coming into by to into your room and and either gets on top of you or is bedside and then you start to pet it and 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 a simple uh, exchange like that just brings joy to to a human being that really needs it during a difficult time yeah and also you know the the dogs just seem to love it i mean like i say it's like what other animal can do this where they'll come up to a a complete stranger and they know intuitively that 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 you know this is my place my place is is to really like show some love and affection and 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 show show this person and they know it when somebody is ailing show this person that that i care and that this will both bring us joy so it it goes back to like What you know, people have asked me this question, what can we learn from dogs? And I I think what I just highlighted is, you know, this is what we can learn from dogs. We can learn how to love, how to provide affection and how to care in really a natural way. And it's like, how do humans do this? It's like, especially with a stranger. I mean, the only time the only time you really might see this is really in a great time of need is like when we've just like, for example, these two disasters we've just had here in in, in the hurricane disasters in Houston and then in Florida that, you know, that's a time when people really need, and it's also a tragedy because so many people were separated from their animals, but it's a time when really dogs can really shine a light in your life. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you, you talking about so the, the, the therapy dogs that go into hospitals, because one lady I interviewed took her dogs into, um, hospitals and she was saying, you know, as, as registered therapy pets, therapy, um, dogs. And she was right. saying it's not just the patients. She's had the doctors and nurses, you know, will just be walking down the corridor, come across the dog and just spend, you know, a minute just sort of communing yep. with the dog, not even necessarily saying anything and just getting that little bit of healing, a little bit of calm. Right. And then they're able to go on and face the day. So it's it, it just so much good. The, 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 therapy dogs in hospitals and I mean, in, in everywhere they go, but certainly in the hospitals, it's amazing, incredible. So that would be, that would be wonderful to write about.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, doctors and, and nurses and the technicians and all the staff in these hospitals are, are stressed out mm-hmm. from, from a very stressful environment that they have to work in because it's very demanding physically, emotionally, mentally. I mean, you name it. It's yes. like they, they have their own stress. So it's like, how great is this? Here comes, here comes a, a dog uh, and I'm going to stop for a minute and just relax and just <laughs> share, yeah. share, share, a, share a magical moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It, it's perfect, isn't it? Perfect. Um,
2: yeah.
0: As if you know this, writing the book and having such such success with it wasn't enough. You've then gone on and you developed a cartoon, haven't you, as well? So tell me about the Dog Healer's cartoon.
2: Well, you know that's something that it's really special. I, I really can't tell you how much I enjoy. I would call myself. I'm the conceptual artist. Uh, for the dog healers cartoons i'm not an illustrator i have an illustrator that that i have contracted with out of california and he's he's ivan camilli and he's really a wonderful illustrator so but what i do is i i create uh, scenes of all sorts um, they could be political uh, they could be just joyful or just funny i mean they're just fun and uh, I create the scenes, and then I create a very simple dialogue. Also, like you almost would see in in, uh, in in certain published magazines that that really try and feature a cartoon each time they publish. So, so it's just been I, I I can't tell you how much I enjoy it. It's just a lot of fun for me, and I I wish I could dedicate more time to it. And I'm sure I will. We now have a, a collection of of uh, I think close to thirty five cartoons and uh, what can I say? I just enjoy it. It's it's really it brings out a lot of creativity and, and humor that I think people really they get a kick out of it. They they they, they, they like they like they they just like the cartoon so
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
2: And that's great for me. You know, it's just it's a good feeling. So
0: yeah, excellent. Yeah. Well, again, making people laugh, making them feel good. It's it's all you know. It's it's all positive. It's all for the good, isn't it? Brilliant.
2: Yeah, and it also you know it's I didn't have the intentions, but it, it takes you away or or it puts like uh, a unique perspective on on a lot of times the bad news that that may. Maybe coming to us from from TV or radio, uh, or the internet, and it, it just puts a fun perspective and, and lightens up your day to like say, oh, that's that's I like that cartoon. It's really clever, yeah. funny. So yeah. yeah, and I hope you know I'm I'm gonna continue to do more. So <laughs> when I find the time, but and I also have to be in the right frame of mind. But.
0: Yes, yeah, the ideas have to be there, don't they? Now I was gonna say you know, you're talking about when you get enough time. There aren't enough hours in the day for you, I would imagine, but not, again, not content with that. You're also working on a documentary about people who've been helped by dogs. So tell me about that as well.
2: Yeah, no, actually the documentary is, is really consuming quite a bit of time. I'm, I'm very, very excited about it. Again, the documentary comes under, you know, it says it all. When you say the dog healers, it's, it's really about how dogs help people in lives and it's not about my story it's about other people's stories that some are just amazing that the people that we've interviewed how how dogs have helped them in all kinds of different difficult periods in their lives and and under different circumstances again if it was just for companionship or which is can be so important when yes. somebody's through a difficult time in, or period in their life yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean again it's also people that have had they're sick maybe physically or emotionally or or another area that that we've really discovered is how how dogs really help kids especially from broken homes because sometimes they when you have two parents that that can't get along, it's like a kid really needs to find that security and comfort and love. And and most often, and most always, I would say hundred percent of the times they're going to receive it from that from the dog or an animal if they have it. And, and uh, to me, that's that's amazing because actually I experienced that from my childhood because I went through that with in my own life. So yeah. I know how important it was for me and getting. Getting through life and and finding some peace and love when you when your your parents uh, can't get, get it together in their own lives. So I I actually experienced that that bond with my dog. So that's why I know it's really important and special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is important with this, you know, you, we've, you've said there's there's a lot of negative news out there. There's a lot of negative stories and stories that make you sort of go, oh, I can't take any more of this. But <laughs> <laughs> you get frightened to look at the news, but there's so yeah. much good going on. And it's nice to celebrate. It's more than nice. It's lovely to celebrate that and shine yep. a light on it and say, look, there is all this love and positivity, particularly coming yep. from dogs. Let's celebrate that.
2: Yep, absolutely. So yeah, so I mean, our, our way to celebrate this, at least in terms of this, this dog healers documentary or docu series project is to celebrate it with other people's dogs or stories and, and, and uh, their experiences that have helped them through life or at a time when they needed it. And, um, you know, we're just, we're getting some amazing stories, and each one is unique and each one is special. So that, you know, and it's not only therapy dogs; it's also service dogs. That, for example, my my dog walker, uh, whose name's Ron, but now he calls himself Carlos after uh, reading the dog healers. Uh, he is deaf, and he's just amazing with animals. Especially dogs, and I, I, I can't tell you how the conversations we that we have together,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and, and you know he's he sometimes is in tears over over how much these dogs in his life is, ha, ha, have helped him. So you know, and you also have like service dogs, like we have an you know so we have some great, wonderful organizations here like Fidelco, which. Um, does um, trains dogs for for you know, people with that are blind
1: yeah
2: yeah there's a tremendous amount of wonderful organizations that um, are working with, with people that come back from the military and and God knows you know what what they suffer from I mean
1: yeah
2: post-traumatic stress syndrome yes. so if yeah. a dog plays like such a great role and we, we see this time after time uh, and and I've talked with people about how much uh, dogs have helped a soldier that's come back and he's been injured either mentally or physically uh, and, and he just said you know I don't know what I would do if if I didn't have this dog so
0: yeah, yeah.
2: so yeah. situations like that I mean I, I should probably also mention that there's a Really, a wonderful organization called Pet Partners, which mm-hmm. began in Oregon. And it's, it's probably the most prominent or largest training of volunteers for both humans and dogs. And they actually certify people. And, and it's, it's become more than just a U.S. Organization, volunteer organization I mean I I believe that they they are international and, and it's just I, I, I can't tell you how much good an organization like this does and it's it's not only just for the animals but the people that go out and volunteer with their dogs you know in these different environments It it's just they both really love doing it and, and it really brings a lot of joy into their life so it's, I think it's just great you know
0: yeah yeah it's it's a really good way of of giving back, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. Absolutely,
2: lovely. absolutely, and and this is, I mean, my way of giving back through the dog healers documentary is, is to have a collection of of these experiences people people have had that are just amazing experiences, and and, and people time after time, or the volunteers will just say like, you know. I don't know what i do without this dog, or or the people that we go and visit, um, just to shine a light on on their day, even if it's for like a short moment. Mm. They're just always so happy, you know. So yeah. it's and and this is this is my way of giving back through this documentary series. So it's really again, it's about everybody's amazing story, and and we're you know we welcome people to contact me uh, if if they want to share a story they and i should probably just say they can do that and they can contact me through mark which is m-a-r-k with a k at the dog healers.com so
0: great yeah that was going to be my (laughs) my final question um where (laughs) i'm sorry that's okay no that's (laughs) fine that's fine (laughs) we'll um so i was gonna say where can people find out more about you because i'm sure they will want to where can people find out more about you online and i know you have got a blossoming um facebook following haven't you
2: Oh yes, uh, you know that's interesting. Yeah, we, you know, a year and a half ago or two years ago, I, I didn't even really I didn't know anything about Facebook, and people would say, "Oh, are you on Facebook? Are you on Facebook?" And uh, this is before before I came out and published the book. But I I said no. I said I don't know if it's for me. I'm kind of have this private life, and and <laughs> you know I don't want everybody knowing my business. And then when before we came out with this book, I said, "Well, you know what? I think I want to start a dog community called the Dog Healers," and we did this on Facebook, and we have grown from zero to now we have over thirty thousand followers, and sometimes we reach, you know, with a great post, you know, a hundred, hundreds of thousands of people in yes. a yeah. time. It's just. So it's mind-blowing for me because, and it's funny for me because I, I, I used to poo-poo Facebook, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, for for the dog healers, it's great. So, um, and I think it's great for a lot of people that, uh, you know, want to connect, and, and it's a good way for people to connect, and and people like to share stories and share photos and, and uh, make new friends and and like and are not like and uh, so it's great yeah so that's yeah we've done that with Facebook and and uh, actually my wife Norma is she's I call her the content queen <laughs> uh, so she's she comes up with she does the research and she comes up with content and and she's developed. A way to connect with people, uh, especially dog lovers in in such a way where it's it's really quite nice because she has a great sense of how to connect with 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 this this dog lovers community. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's great
0: yeah excellent well i'm um, i know that you're you're already working on sort of the sequel for the Dog healers so the best of luck with that and um, maybe we'll, we'll talk about that another day but i mean you know the best of luck and and it's you you're, you're going to be busy mark aren't you <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah no i'm am a busy guy that's for sure it's like i i have to and when you yeah when you have creative projects is it, you can't always be efficient you have to you have to you know, consider your time. But when creativity involves a lot of thought process and and, and research times and, and, uh, yeah, but I'm a busy guy, but you know what? I, I look at it like this. I'm doing what I love. And when you do something you love, it's not really work. So for me, this is just a passion project and, and this is my passion. And, uh, I'm loving every minute of it, so... Excellent. And I'm, and I'm having fun with it.
0: I'm amazed Mark had time to talk to me with all that going on, but thanks to him for finding the time. We have all the links we mentioned on the DogCast Radio site, including thedoghealers.net and that fast-growing Facebook page. If you've enjoyed the novel, I'd love to hear from you about what you thought of it. You're listening to DogCast Radio on www.. DogCastRadio.com Do you ever read a book and think, no, it shouldn't happen like that? Well, check out the latest innovation in romantic fiction, Macy's Choice, which puts you in charge of the plot as you make life-changing decisions on the main character's behalf. At the end of each chapter in Macy's Choice, there are always two options and you choose what happens next. With over a million and a half words, that's over 5,000 pages, 256 chapters and 128 different endings, Macy's Choice is an ebook you can reread again and again, making new choices each time to vary your experience to find love with each of the three heroes. To find out more, visit macy'schoice.com. That's M-A-C-I-E-S-C-H-O-I-C-E dot com, or search for Macy's Choice on Amazon. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Mark Twain. So, Jenny, I know you've had a rotten cold. How
3: are you feeling? Not too bad. I've had honey and hot water for my throat so I can read the news today.
0: Great. In that case, it's time for the Dogcast Radio News, which I'm glad you're well enough to read, Jenny, and I do empathise with you, which leads us into our first story today. Because according to new research carried out by Northeastern University in Boston, USA, we empathise more with dogs than with fellow people. The research looked at the reactions of 256 undergraduates to being told about an account of a fictitious incident involving an attack with a baseball bat. They were told, arriving on the scene a few minutes after the attack, a police officer found that the victim had a broken leg, multiple lacerations and was unconscious. But then the story was changed and some students were told the victim was a one-year-old child, some a 30-year-old man, some a puppy and some an adult. When asked which victim they felt the most empathy for, the baby scored highest, but the puppy and the adult dog were next, coming in ahead of the adult human.
3: Wait, so you'd feel sorrier for Buddy than me if he had this sore throat?
0: Maybe we'll talk about this later. There's still a lot of news to get through.
3: Okay, well, do you think people would empathise with a robot dog as much as a biological one? Sony stopped selling their iBo robot dog over ten years ago, but he's back and this time he has artificial intelligence which will allow him to learn tricks, be aware of his surroundings, and recognise his owner's face and voice, allowing him to build a bond with an owner. What each iBo learns is then stored in the cloud and updated as the iBo encounters more situations and learns more. Impressively, as the iBow learns more, he develops a personality, and thanks to fisheye cameras that use mapping technology, he can run to his owner when called. He can use eye, ear, and tail movements to appeal to humans through his body language too.
0: Sounds good, but I think I'd rather have a real dog. There's no scooping the poop with an eye bow. Good point. Maybe I'll reconsider. Do you think dogs will be losing sleep over the possibility of being replaced by a robot alternative? A new Hungarian study has discovered that dog sleep is disturbed by anxieties they experience when awake. Researchers monitored dog sleep after positive experiences, such as receiving attention from their owner or having a play session and after negative events, such as being separated from their owner and being approached threateningly by a stranger. Overall, the dogs who'd been exposed to the stress slept less well, spending more time in REM sleep, the active sleep stage characterised by increased heart rate, and waking up more quickly. However, the more playful and relaxed a dog was generally had an effect, with more chilled dogs having less disturbed sleep, whichever situation they'd been put in, presumably because they'd suffered less stress from it.
3: Did you hear about the Border Collie who suffered work-related stress? Is this the beginning of a joke? Because I can't quite think of the punchline yet. No, it's a real story. And you know when you think you're doing a really good job and your boss will be pleased with you, then it turns out you got it all wrong? That happened to poor Rocky, a sheepdog from Devon in the UK. There he was, fulfilling his purpose, rounding up sheep, getting them to safety, and doing so effectively and efficiently, when owner Rosalind Edwards started screaming and trying to chase the sheep out again. It turns out seven-month-old Rocky had managed to herd the flock through a gate that had been left open, then through a door that had been left open straight into the family home. Apparently there was quite a lot of clearing up to do once the sheep had been persuaded back outside and Rocky will be receiving further training.
0: I think the people on that farm need training to close the gates and doors.
3: True, it's not all poor Rocky's fault.
0: Mind you, some dogs can't be stopped by any door or gate. Gumby, a hound mix, was taken in as a stray but was in good condition and well-fed and was soon adopted from a shelter in South Carolina, USA. However, that adoption lasted three days and the next for only four days. Escape artist Gumby made it out of his third adopted home four times and was brought back to the shelter each time by different people before his adopters turned him back over to the rescue. Gumby was adopted a further four times, and each time he was driven to escape, even breaking down a screen door to do so on one occasion. So, reluctantly, staff at the Charleston Animal Society shelter stopped trying to rehome Gumby, as he didn't try to escape the shelter, apparently viewing it as home. Then, something really touching emerged. Gumby could read the emotions of other dogs and act on that knowledge to help calm nervous dogs who entered the shelter. Now, when new dogs come to the shelter and are noticed to be nervous about their new surroundings, staff put Gumby in with them and he calms them down. As if that's not enough, his blood type makes him an ideal donor and the serum from his white blood cells has been used to help sick kittens.
3: What an incredible dog. I know, he's a real hero, isn't he? And on the subject of hero dogs, a 12-year-old dog in New Zealand called Liri proved to be just that. He had been getting older and slower, so when he went missing one day, his family were worried. However, he turned up much later that day, clearly exhausted, and his people were relieved. Then they noticed a note tied to his collar. It read, Louis is the hero of the day. He led me to Maddie in distress, stuck under a branch pile. Cheers, Rob. Whatever happened had left poor Louis so worn out that his owners were concerned as to whether he would make it through the night. But he did, and the next day, Rob and his dog Maddie visited, which perked Louis right up. Rob, a farmer who lived miles away, explained that Mandy had gone missing and Louie arrived at Rob's farm, insisting Rob followed him. Intrigued, Rob followed, and Louie led him straight to a woodpile where Maddie was stuck. Together, Rob and Louie dug and pulled Maddie free, then both dogs ran to a nearby pond to drink and cool off. Rob attached the note to Louie's collar, hoping he wouldn't get into trouble when he got home late, and indeed his family are very proud of their clever little dog.
0: I hope they made sure he couldn't get out on his own again, though.
3: Well done for rescuing Maddie, but he needs to be safe himself. That's all for now. You stay safe too until the next Dogcast Radio News.
0: The phrase, the dogs of war, appears in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, where Mark Antony says, cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. With Remembrance Day this month, it seemed appropriate to talk to Julia Robertson about the charity she founded called War Dogs Remembered.
1: Well, War Dogs Remembered is a charity that um, I started two years ago, and it's now registered with the Charities Commission. And it is sort of what it says. It is remembering dogs that have fought for us during the wars. It is very much a non-political charity. And also we're a non-lobbying charity. It is An awareness charity
0: Hmm. so it's a a lovely approach it's just you know we're remembering them but we're not we're not taking the strident approach that some charities seem to
1: exactly we're not going to make an opinion on ex-military dogs now or anything like that we just want people to be aware of what dogs do for us Hmm. and what they have done in the past and how they continue to do so because of course Dogs back in historical times to when there was anything recorded as far as sort of pictorial evidence of the canine have always worked with us alongside us during conflict going back centuries and centuries and they still continue to do so and they are the only species that do and have and they're probably one that the the knowledge and, and the appreciation and the awareness is definitely growing. However, they're still sort of slightly forgotten on, the, on that front of things. So what we're trying to do with War Dogs, Remembered, is celebrate dogs and the amazing work that they do supporting the armed forces past and present.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is a, a lovely thing to do. When we say, you know, dogs work in war, what jobs do they do in war?
1: Well, historically they did quite a few different jobs to what they do now. What they do now is, I mean, again, I'm not the expert. I'm not in the military. I never have been in the military, but I know a lot of their work is about detection. So it's bomb detection, weapon detection, drug detection, tracking, guarding, and an attack work. That's the sort of area that I believe they still are working. I know the detection work is very well documented, and of course they are exceptional at it. What they did through the first, well, mainly the World War Two, was such a variety of work, such a variety of amazing stuff. They used to do things like carry messages, which of course were critical. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they had to cross country incredibly well. They actually pulled communication cables. They went onto an open field, an open battlefield with a first aid kit so soldiers could self-medicate. That sort of thing they did. And these primarily were pet dogs mm-hmm. that were called in for training Wow! during the, the, the middle end of the Second World War. Yeah. Uh, and that's the extraordinary thing about it, is that these were pet dogs that were, I would say, sat by the fire one day. It wasn't quite like that. They had the most amazing, the war office had the most amazing response during the 1940s to say, we want your dogs to train to go to war. And there were comments like, well, you've had my husband, you've had my son have my dog to try and stop this evil oh, that sort of gosh. thing yeah. um, and so the dogs went and they, and also people were struggling to feed their dogs too mm-hmm. I mean, it was very different times and it's yes. not that long ago that's the thing not that long ago and these dogs were sent they were asked um, German Shepherds Labradors those sort of larger dogs but a lot of people sent their dog whatever most and there were Thousands that went, mm. most never returned, oh. um, apparently, some were documented as being returned and what happened to them, but most didn 't return, mm. which is just it, different times just yes, different yeah. times. we have no idea, and that that was the thing that actually was that juxtaposition between dogs and our lives then and dogs now the training then was primarily that it was one particular guy that that trained these obviously he had a team and his name was lieutenant colonel edwin richardson and he started by training airedales that was his big thing but then he ended up training pet dogs too now i'm hope that i'm historically correct too and he was in essex and then he moved to the new forest but the interesting thing was he did all his training through positive reinforcement Mm. And that's why he had the most incredible results, which is interesting because we've done such sort of a 360 on that and come back, obviously, to that. But that was amazing that he actually trained those dogs to do all those really contraintuitive things to a dog Mm -hmm. to be able to go and work on their own. But the juxtaposition between then and now is that the training that they were doing then was to save their lives and to save our lives. I mean, I say to save their lives. They were doing it completely for us. They Uh weren't doing it to promote the canine world or anything. They were doing it for us. What they were doing then, for instance, like the nine-foot long jump that we use now in working trials, if the dog couldn't jump that in the field, that meant that he would fall into the trench. Uh That That means he would die. Whereas we're doing it now for fun. And that's the big, as I said, juxtaposition between just a few years ago, comparatively, they were doing it for one reason, and now we're doing it for fun. And that's what really made me want to start this um, charity, is how very different our lives have become, but how amazing our dogs have been to be able to and be willing to work alongside us in those situations. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and to honour the memory of those dogs and the exactly. memory of those yeah and the memory of those dog owners who you know gave absolutely. their dogs, yeah yeah as you absolutely. say absolutely I mean you know, ask anyone types. now would
1: you hand your dog over mm. and they'd say uh, no no me first. No no one would like their horses to, uh, especially in the First World War. I believe that Lieutenant Colonel Richardson was, was actually training dogs for the Great War, as it was known then, mm. rather than the First War, because we were rather hoping there wasn't yes. going to be a second. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't approved. Other countries had dogs working within the military sooner than we did. But it wasn't until later on into the Second War that actually they were accepted as being used and their role was accepted by us to be used and then of course they made incredible impact
0: yeah yeah I can imagine and I mean mm. you you say things go go sort of in a cyclical fashion and sort of things I always think it's bandwagons and we get we get we go one way and then we go oh should we go the other way and we everybody jumps on yeah. that bandwagon and goes oh we could do things like Absolutely. this you know and yeah. um, but I mean historically because we know dogs are still being used in situations of of war and and conflict mm. now when's the first time because it you know you say quite rightly you know we, we didn't have them in the first world war and then we did in the second and then it sort of but mm. it wasn't the first time it wasn't a new thing was it they had been used in, in war ages ago hadn't
1: they Oh yes, I mean, it, as I said, it's sort of documented from you know 2,000 years ago when when dogs were part of our community rather than owned by us, that they used to fight alongside us as well as guard us and everything else, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting because now we're doing studies on uh, collections of dogs like the the street dogs in India, which are, and and now they're being called community dogs because they're almost going back to what they did then. So. Even way back um, when we first domesticated dogs, they or they domesticated us. Which way around? Maybe uh, mm. I think it's the other way around. Um, <laughs> Could be. They, they chose to be with us and they weren't owned as such, but they worked with us in, um, in whatever situation. So it has been documented all that far back through sort of drawings and things like that. Yeah. that people have discovered that they were working with us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, very different times then. And I guess because very, different, yeah, 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 you that love still must have, you know, people, there must have been people around who sort of looked at the dogs with love. But when you think how they treated other people, you can see that really was different times the dogs would have been in some ways and for some people much more of just a, an expendable tool, you know, because they they didn't even value human life, did they?
1: No, but it does. uh, You know, maybe we were way back then, it was much more of what was value to our life. And, you know, our whole perception of things has changed so very much. You know, it's more about the material rather than um, making sure that we can get food and protection and everything else. And maybe Mm. they were valued more because of those qualities. Yeah. But I'm just speaking speculatively now I'm not speaking from a historical <laughs> background. Yes. I hasten yeah. to add. <laughs> yeah. But really the, the charity that is really what we really want to achieve is, yes, an awareness of this, um and more um the recognition that the important contribution that they've already always made. And and it's really to advance and to promote a a greater um, appreciation and understanding of dogs in general. If only we could understand that these these guys that we are so lucky to have in our lives, they are really special and they are loyal beyond loyal Mm. and their skills are still being discovered. And it's those things on the side that we also want to promote. So, when people become more aware of the charity and find out what the dogs have done, then they may just respect and cherish more the the dog that shares their life with them because of their capabilities and how they're willing to literally take a bullet for us, which mm. is quite something. Oh, yes. So our... Our mission really is to just raise the awareness of war dogs, but really um, have um, what we're looking to do with the charity is provide physical activities and education in the way of um, agility trials or activity trials, trails, sorry, not trials, (laughs) trails within certain areas. So people can go and have fun with their dogs, with the family. Nice natural um, obstacles that they can go over or go through, like tunnels or little weaves or something like that, in nice open spaces where they can go and have fun as the family with the dog. And each one of these activities are going to have it's going to be dedicated to a dog wow. with a small script that will link to our website, so people can go enjoy, but also find out why. What this dog did, what the dog looked like. We're not going to be country specific. It's going to be dogs that have done amazing things for us in the past. With, as I said, a brief script about what they have done and how amazing they were during their time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's lovely because as you're honouring that memory, but also you're making a difference to people and dogs today because I think there's two sides to that one first of all the dog in question gets some stimulation and some enrichment and gets to do something interesting but also absolutely yeah which is vital but also you're you're potentially awakening in the people hey this is great to actually do something as a team with my dog and work together what else can we do and you're sort of opening the floodgates there aren't you it would be nice.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're, we, we are a very small charity. We are very small. And we really do want to promote this further, because at the moment, we've, we've just got our first site for putting our first trail, which is Victoria Park, um, Deadworth, Windsor. And that is land that's being improved and uh, and being brought back into the community, which is very exciting. And it's very close to a military town. So it it just has a wonderful feel to it of authenticity. So that's where we're looking to put our first one. It's all going through at the moment. That's number one. Ideally, what we'd love to do is have a few more of these. So there would be a trail for different people in different parts of the world and the country. Well, Mm. the world would be amazing. Um, And that would be lovely so people can then perhaps go and actually collect all these dogs um and find out more about them yeah. um so that's that's what we are looking for we're also possibly looking at, at actually getting a memorial uh, because there is not one single memorial in this country for the canine there is a combined one and mm. other countries like America has some beautiful um, memorials dedicated to their dogs. Australia does a stunning, stunning statues and memorials for dogs. And we would like to do one for the dogs too. So we've got a few projects that we are looking to promote at the moment, to promote dogs. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, you know, from, from Small Acorns oak trees grow as they say so you know exactly yes exactly. Yeah. oh no, that's exactly. That, yeah that's great and, and again you know I really admire people like you who sort of see something and think oh wouldn't that be great if and then act on it and see it through so uh, you know kudos thank to you, you. yeah thank that's, you that's a lovely thing to do and it must make you feel good that you you're actually acting on that and and honoring those memories and, and spreading the word and letting other people know
1: absolutely I think one of our most wonderful situations in that is coming up quite soon, which of course is Armistice. Yes. And we have for the last four years been, there, I mean, completely honoured that we have been allowed, and now we're welcomed to be walking in the Poppy Parade at Ypres um, mm-hmm. in Belgium at the Menin Gate. And I have taken my dog Molly for the lot, my black Labrador Molly who have had no military service whatsoever. <laughs> um, she has been a pet dog all her life. And she goes along wearing the coat. Pet dogs like me have saved thousands of, hu- of human lives. Yeah. And we walk with reeds And we are, as I said, we- it's such an honor to walk with the other military to place these reeds, have these wreaths placed in the Menning Gate and walk in the Poppy Parade. Anyone that hasn't been, it is a phenomenal it's a phenomenal event. Mm. And we're going again this year. Um, sadly, my dog Molly is just finding the years have moved on a little bit mm. for her. So mm. she's having to hand the mantle over to Maggie, who is another black lab, and it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of band music. However, We take wreaths for the Great War, the Second World War, and also for current conflicts. Mm -hmm. And if anyone is interested, um, what we do is we ask people to pay five pounds, either through our Facebook page, which has a donate button, or our website, and they can have their dogs' names attached to the wreath. So their dogs are actually being part of that ceremony, to actually honour other dogs' past.
0: Yeah. Oh, lovely. That's lovely. We, we've covered a lot about War Dogs Remembered. Is there anything else <laughs> that, I mean, and it sounds lovely and I, you know, I think it's admirable sort of what you're doing. But is there anything else that you want to say about it?
1: Well, I think really, if anyone is interested to know more, yes, we do have a Facebook page, War Dogs Remembered. We also have a, a website, mm-hmm. which is wardogsremembered.org. Do- The other thing is, if anyone wants to read about it, there is the most fantastic author, and she is also part of our charity called Isabel George, and she has written some beautiful books, and they're tough reading, some of them, Mm. but beautiful books, authentic books about this very subject. She's an absolute expert on animals in general in war, but also very much the canine so if anyone's interested you can find her on amazon or anywhere isabel george she's it, lovely lovely books so that's if anyone wants any more background reading i would suggest they go there yeah there are other wonderful books too that have come out uh, that she's one author i know that has and, and still is writing a lot about this very subject
0: that interview made me cry when we got to the bit about people sending their pet dogs off to be trained for war work, mostly never seeing them again, probably never knowing their fate. I can't imagine it. I look forward to visiting the trails Julia is setting up, and taking a moment to remember all those dogs affected by war. We have a link to wardogsremember.org, as well as a photo of Julia's dog Molly at the Menin Gate in Ypres. And you may remember that Julia was a guest in episode 184 of Dogcast Radio, talking about garland therapy for dogs. There are about 2,500 war dogs in service today, with about 700 serving at any given time overseas. Mischief, my daughter Jenny's German Spitz puppy, went to her first puppy class this week and blew me away with her composure and intelligence. Jenny had a horrible cold and was medicated up to make it through the class, which comprised of three Labradors, a Flatcoat Retriever, and our little fluff ball. We were in gun dog territory and had a lot to prove. And Mischief did prove herself, sitting on cue with a hand signal we'd already taught her, and learning down and stand with some luring help. Best of all, her tail was wagging throughout. She even charmed the instructor. And to be honest, that's one of the problems of having such a tiny, cute puppy. You tend to let them get away with things you shouldn't. But with Buddy's help, she is shaping up into a beautiful young dog. And by the way, she adores Buddy. It wasn't reciprocated initially, but now Buddy's tail is wagging. They play together, they cuddle up together, and there's a spring in our nearly 15-year-old dog's step again, which is lovely. If you're struggling through those early puppy days, I'd love to hear from and commiserate with you. It's all worth it in the end though. That's it for this time. Next time, we have a fantastic interview with Greg Burns about his book, What It's Like to Be a Dog. So until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident DogCastRadio. That's all one word, DogCastRadio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny.
3: What do you call a dog who designs buildings? A bark (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.